Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at the Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. Hey, good to be with you all who are watching. Pray this finds you in good health and clinging tightly to, to Jesus Christ. Even though we're not able to gather in a traditional sense during these times, I've been really blessed with the teachings that are coming through the, uh, the digital world in the last month. Actually, that's why Tripp had asked me to preach for this Sunday is because he wanted an extra week to study a little bit more for this new series that we've got coming up ahead of us. We're going to be jumping into a short end time series. Um, a lot of you have been asking questions in light of that, so we're going to be investing a few weeks uh, into studying eschatology. Trips done a few of these in the past, but this time we're going to do it with the lens of COVID-19, and uh, so I'm really excited about that. I want to ask you guys, how, how are you guys doing in terms of staying connected with each other? You guys doing all right with that? Because remember, we're a family in Christ, right? This is not like a church organization. We're a family in Christ and a family checks on family even in times of inconvenience and when it's unconventional. So that challenge that trip put us on is uh, the Stay Connected Challenge a few a month ago. It's really been a way for me to stay connected with others and within our church family. And if you have been a part of that, you know what I'm talking about. You've been blessed by it. And if you haven't, I ask you, why not? Why wouldn't you? I want to encourage you. Call somebody today. Pray for them. So many times when I've called somebody, and it's not anything about my timing or anything, but they're telling me, man, this is like the perfect timing. I'm so glad that you called. How amazing is that, that God would include us in His perfect timing to go ahead and bless somebody? I guarantee you, if you take a step in this, you will be blessed. Another really amazing way for us to stay connected is what we've been doing each and every Tuesday night with these Zoom prayer meetings. And uh, man, it's been super powerful. We've got people from the mainland joining in with us. Uh, we've had the wool wines with us. It's been such a, a wonderful time. I want to encourage you. It's not a time to be missed. So again, Tuesday night Zoom prayer. It's been amazing. The point is, I want to encourage us to, let's, to just do what we can in this present time to ensure that we can be that fearless church that this scared world needs right now. And so the other week, my wife and I are talking and she reminded me of a verse that really has been like a lifeline for my family. It's, it's a verse in Lamentations and many of you know it as well. I'm just going to read it real quick before we start studying it. It's Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. What a powerful promise, right? When my wife shared that to me, I was like, man, I need to meditate on that this season. Every morning, God has fresh mercies for us, for you, for every single thing that is coming your way today. That's just amazing to me. And so this led me to unpack this a little further in my personal study, and it led to this message today that I praise an encouragement and a blessing to many of you. So open your Bibles today, uh, Lamentations chapter 3, and I'm going to pray while you guys do that. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you are sovereign and you are well aware of all the things that we are going to encounter, what we're encountering today. And you have good and perfect plans for us. We trust you. I pray you would anoint me to preach this faithfully so we can encourage your people. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this book of Lament is uh, broken up into five chapters, or five dirges. And it's, a, it's 
very dark and gloomy section of scripture written by Jeremiah the prophet that many of you guys know he was super, super faithful. His ministry spanned about 40 years and no one really listened, no one got saved. So you can see how the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations is a very heavy, has a very heavy feel to it. In fact, our section in Lamentations chapter 3 is pretty much the first and only glimmer of hope in the entire book. It's so heavy, guys. I mean, he spends chapter 1 and chapter 2 really focusing on the pain and the suffering that Jerusalem was experiencing. And Jeremiah was joining them in in that. Like, he wasn't this, he was, he was totally innocent, but he was joining in the Israelites on, on what they were going through and feeling that pain. It was God's people. They had disobeyed God. They ignored Jeremiah's warning. And now they were being sieged by the Babylonians and they were getting carried off into exile, just like God promised. And as I read that, man, I didn't realize that Lamentations has a very strong correlation to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Do you guys know that? It's it's really nuts. Because in Deuteronomy, Moses communicates promises of blessing and promises of curses to God's people. If they obeyed God, they would be blessed. And if they turned their backs on God, they would be cursed. And because of Israel's disobedience, they were experiencing curses from God. And there are no less than 15 curses that God promises to His people and are fulfilled in Lamentations. I mean, Moses wrote about this, spoke about this 900 years before. And here's the parallel for us. Just like Israel was suffering, they were living in anguish and in difficult times, so are we, right? Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say that this season that we're experiencing is because of our sin and our rebellion towards God. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying what I am saying is that we are, we are experiencing a dark and heavy, scary time, just like God's people did in Jeremiah's time. And just like how God was faithful to bring about the fulfillment of the Deuteronomy 28 curses, they could look to the same faithfulness of God to bring about the blessings of Deuteronomy chapter 30 if they turned their hearts back to Him. And we're talking about blessings like in Deuteronomy 30, Uh, verses 9 and 10. The Lord your God will then make you successful in everything you do. He will give you many children and numerous livestock. He will cause your fields to produce abundant harvests, for the Lord will again delight in being good to you as He was to your ancestors. The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey His voice and keep the commands and decrees written in this book of instruction, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. That's all God wanted. He only wanted His people's hearts. And He was jealous for that. And He's jealous for yours. Jealous for mine. And with all this doom and gloom that was actually taking place, guys, there's nothing fabricated or, or like just total emo about what Jeremiah was writing about. It's, it was really happening. There's this glimmer of hope in our text in verse 21. In spite of all that Jeremiah was seeing and all that he was experiencing, both personally and through watching Uh, God's people in in, in desolation, he says this in verse 21, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. That's crazy. Other translations say, Yet I call this to mind, therefore I have hope. In spite of what I see, and in spite of what I experience, in spite of how I feel, I'm going to remember this, and because I remember this, I have hope. And what is this? What is it? This, this it that our beloved Jeremiah is remembering. Because remember, we're talking about 40 years of ministry, no one listening, Babylon desolating Jerusalem right there in his face. 
people being exiled. In spite of all of that, we see Jeremiah is keeping his eyes on the character of God. Starting in verse 22, which is our focus this morning, let's read this together. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who depend on Him, those who search for Him. So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation from the Lord. Now it takes some serious intentionality for Jeremiah to transcend what he was seeing and what he was feeling to focus on what he couldn't necessarily see. He had to look and transcend and look at the goodness and faithfulness of God. And I would go as far as to say it was like supernatural miraculous, you know, with all this death and pain and suffering that was happening all around him. Jeremiah chooses to look at what is higher than all of that, which is God's faithfulness. He sees God and he has hope. He sees God's faithful love and he sees how it doesn't stop. He sees God's mercies and he sees that they, 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 they don't stop either. The NSB says the Lord's loving kindnesses, plural, loving kindnesses indeed never cease for his compassions never fail. Man, that's good news, guys. That's good news. There's not some empty rhetoric Jeremiah is just throwing out there, right? In fact, David, King David, calls the loving kindness of the Lord, he calls it better than life itself in Psalm 63. And Jeremiah is fixing his eyes on this loving kindness, this unfailing love, which is better than life itself and how it never stops coming towards him. And that's what it's going to take to transcend what Jeremiah was seeing and what he was experiencing at that time. And guys, for some of us, that's what it's going to take to transcend the worry, to transcend the gloom and the uncertainty of what this season is bringing right to our doorstep. We need to fix our eyes on the fact that this gift, God's loving kindness, which is better than life, it's better than life you had before COVID-19 and it's better than anything you're going to be able to put together after this. This gift is there for you right now today. And what happens when we do that? Well, like Jeremiah, we can have hope in a very difficult season. And verse 23 says, great is his faithfulness. In other words, that's like abounding in faithfulness. It's just not like a little bit of faithfulness. It's like abounding, abundant faithfulness. Jeremiah saw nothing but faithfulness from his God. Even the judgment that they were experiencing, he was seeing that as like, man, that's a, that's a faithfulness of God. And it was this same faithfulness that Jeremiah was relying on to bring about the restoration that was promised when the people turned their hearts back to God. And because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can look to this same faithfulness, this same faithfulness, that God was going to be with us this season, and He's going to be with us in the next season. We just need to surrender our hearts to Him. And verse 24 is such a a beautiful declaration of hope. Jeremiah says, The Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in Him. Jeremiah Jeremiah says, Man, I say this to myself, okay? It's like he's reminding himself of something that's true because maybe right at that moment it doesn't even feel true to him, but he knows it to be true in his heart. And he's trying to remind himself, right? And that might be you today. That might be you. You might have to remind yourself of something biblically true right now because it doesn't really feel true or emotionally doesn't feel true, but it is true. And if you remind yourself, you can find hope in that. Other translations say, the Lord is my portion. 
The Lord is my portion. I love that. It reminds me of the Levites when God was uh, partitioning the promised land to his people, right? And to the Levites, if you remember, his people, his priests, he didn't give them a land inheritance. He told the tribe of Levi, I will be your portion. I will be your portion. And the Levites had this, this privilege to be closer to God than others. And if you recall also, the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, he calls this new group of people that we're a part of, he calls us a royal priesthood. Like we're the new Levites. Now we can claim that the Lord is our portion and our inheritance. And where there was once only one person in all of Israel who could enter into the Holy of Holies, the veil is now torn in two because of Christ. Now we can all enter in and now we can all be intimate with Jesus. Because of Christ, we can all now count the Lord as our portion. And hence, we can all put our hope in Him. And when the Lord is our portion, when He's our inheritance, nothing is in the way of us realizing that. Do you guys see that? Because Romans chapter 8 says that nothing can separate us from His love. And James chapter 4 says that when we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. There's no obstacle in that. When we seek Him, we will find Him if we seek Him with all our heart. Man, guys, when we view and when we seek and desire God to be our portion, Scripture says that we can have hope in the most trying of times. Nothing's in the way. Nothing's in the way of that except ourselves. What do I mean by that? Well, we can desire other things. We can want other inheritances. We can get caught up in the, the lesser things of life. Hence, we lack hope, or at least hope seems elusive when times of trouble come. And I'm concerned for us, actually. Like, what if we were ever to find ourselves in a season like the one Jeremiah was in? Now, I'm not trying to minimize what we are experiencing right now. Like, it's heavy right now. But if you read the Old Testament, what we're experiencing today is not as heavy as what Jerusalem was experiencing at that time. How would we be if we saw what Jeremiah saw? We experienced his pain and suffering along with his people. Would we be able to choose to think about God's character and find hope? And in order for us to be able to answer yes to that question, we have to look to the Lord to be our portion, and that's it, period. Every other inheritance is like sinking sand, guys. Rust and moth can consume everything else. Pandemics can affect everything else. A collapsing economy can evaporate everything else. And right now, what is quickly being revealed is where many of us have put our hope. I'm being convicted of this almost daily, guys. Have we placed our hope in our careers or our line of work? Have we placed our hope in our health? Are we, are we resting on our five-year or ten-year plan? This season is clearly showing how delicate all of those things really are. When our hope is in anything less than the Lord God Himself, so much can come in and just shake up that hope. In fact, at times even crush those hopes. But Jesus, on the other hand, is unshakable. He's unshakable. He's the solid rock. By His resurrection from the grave, He proves that He has overcome sin, death, and the devil. In John 16, Jesus says that He's overcome the world. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that God puts everything under the feet of Jesus. In Colossians chapter 1 says that all things were created through Him and for Him. And that He is before all things, and that all things are held together in Him. The one who walked on the storms of the disciples, and the one who has the authority over the wind and the waves of your life, 
is your portion. Man, I want Jesus to be the portion that I have coming to me. Because there's nothing else that has ever existed or ever will exist that will get in the way of me receiving Him. Except myself. Except my pride. Except of me wanting my own way. And guys, that just needs to die. That needs to die. And when that happens, when we die to ourselves and we surrender to Jesus, look what Jeremiah promises that we are promised in, 25, in verse 25. It says, The Lord is good to those who depend on Him, to those who search for Him. Now this verse can either be a release for many of you, a blessing for many of you, or it can rub some of you the wrong way. If you've been walking with the Lord for a long time or if you've been raised in the church, this sounds familiar and you know, it usually is, is taken as, a, as an encouragement. But for some of us, it can be a rub. It, may not just, it might not sit right. Because in this culture, we're raised to become independent, right? We're, become, we're raised to become self-sufficient. To eventually be on our own and to leave like our parents covering and that's obviously not bad like I don't want my kids as full-grown adults with along with their families living under my little roof depending on my wife and I for everything I don't want that so raising our kids to be capable be on their own isn't a bad thing as long as the heart behind it is to raise people to be a blessing to others rather than becoming a burden unto others where this goes bad though is when this becomes a self-exalting thing when we look at ourselves as like these self-made man or self-made woman, or, hey, look at what my efforts have accomplished, or look what I've done with my creativity and my ingenuity, or look what my strength has accomplished. Guys, the Bible says that God opposes the proud and He gives grace to the humble. And that's why sometimes verses like, verses like verse 25 that encourage us to depend on the Lord, rub us, it rubs us the wrong way. But friend, that's how God created you to be, to be utterly dependent on Him, the one who created you. And that's how you've been designed. And it's designed to foster relationship and intimacy in this life with the one who is life. You see that connection there? He is good to those who depend on Him. And that's a word for us this season. Depend on God and God alone these times. Because honestly, we're running out of choices. We're running out of choices. And more importantly, because He's good to those who do depend on Him. Other translations say, wait on the Lord. And now almost everyone hesitates with that command, right? No one likes to wait. But most everyone can agree that there is a benefit to waiting, right? Like, you better wait. If you're driving, you better wait for that red light to turn green before you go, right? We all can agree on that. But it doesn't mean that we like it. But waiting on the Lord is beneficial. And the other side of the coin not waiting on the Lord is detrimental. Our junior high ministry is in 1 Samuel right now. And last week, Tawa was sharing how Saul just didn't have a habit or a lifestyle of waiting on the Lord. He just went his way, right? He trusted his own human wisdom, not God's commands. And the fruit of his life was evident. Eventually, God rejected him as king. David, on the other hand, King David, was a man after God's own heart. And he waited on the Lord and marked the way that he lived. In fact, David penned in Psalm 27, 14, he wrote, Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. David also wrote in Psalm 37, 7, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. See, David made it a lifestyle of waiting on the Lord and the Lord was good to him because of it. The Lord was with David during his reign over Israel. 
David is the most celebrated king in all of Israel. Streets are named after him. There's a whole section of Jerusalem that's named the city of David. And there are many, 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 many babies named after him. The Lord is good to those who wait on him. The second part of Lamentations 3.25 is closely related to this. God is also good to those who search for him. You guys ever see a lost child at like a shopping mall or at the grocery store? Man, that kid is frantic, right? Crying, even panicking, looking for his mommy. Why? Because that kid depends on his mother for basically everything. And he's not going to stop searching and seeking for his mother until he finds her. That's how we should be with the Lord. Because we're just as dependent on the Lord for every single thing. But unfortunately, we're not as aware of our desperation for God as that little child is for his mother. So our searching takes like a backseat to things that seem more important or more interesting. And so our seeking, as some translations put it, if it takes place at all, can look apathetic, soft, and even passive. But see, there's nothing passive about really searching and seeking for something. As in that child lost at the shopping mall. Or like when you're trying to get your taxes together to send to the tax guy, right? And there always seems to be that one little form or that receipt that you cannot find or locate. And you search high and low to find it. There's lots of attention put towards finding it. A willingness to invest time. High involvement. And look at this promise that Jeremiah gives us to the exiles, actually gives it to the exiles in Jeremiah 29. It says this in verse 12, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. All your heart. When the 70 years of exile was completed, God promised that this would be the heart of His people. The years in captivity had a purpose. God would use it to bring His people's hearts back to Him. They would again call upon Him and they would pray and they would seek Him with all of their heart. They would find Him. See, there's nothing passive about that kind of searching, is there? Waiting on the Lord, depending on Him, seeking and searching for Him. These are all very active postures to put ourselves in. Now, I hope this pandemic doesn't last seven years, but could it be that our God is trying to bring our hearts back to Him in the midst of all of it. Jeremiah closes this section in Lamentations 3 with this as we close. So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation from the Lord. The word so is like a a therefore, right? So in other words, Jeremiah is saying to himself and to the remnant and even to us, in light of all that I've just shared, It is good for you to wait for the salvation from the Lord. Wait quietly for the Lord's deliverance. That's probably a word for many of us today, right? Wait quietly. One distinctive of God's people back in Moses' day was that they grumbled. They complained. They wanted their way. The moment they left Egypt, they grumbled. And this distinctive carried over even into Jeremiah's day. The prophet is urging God's people to stop being that way and to wait quietly for the Lord's deliverance. And He says that to us. Be active in light of everything else we've discussed earlier, but humble humble yourself, quiet your heart, and receive all that God is doing in you during this time. And that was the hope of Lamentations. 
was to humbly receive what God was doing in His people during a terrible time. And we see that come to fruition in chapter 5 of Lamentations. The remnant, they recognized their sins and they cried out to God for salvation. In Lamentations 5.21, they say this, Restore us, O Lord, bring us back to You again. Give us back the joys we once had. Basically, God's people are saying, hey, we've chased other gods. We've sought other ways of living. We've done it our way. And we've realized that it was best when we were with you. Bring us back, God. And maybe that's what God is doing in us in this very trying and uncertain time. He's just bringing us back to Himself where it was always best for us, where we experienced the joy that we once had. Church family, I believe this is something that God is doing in each and every one of us during this time. He's drawing our hearts back to Him. He's reminding us that it was and is always best when we are with Him. Let's not miss Jesus in the midst of this season, guys, because He's speaking loud and clear and He's stripping away all outlets and distractions just to get you to hear His voice. Lord, we thank You. We trust You in this time. We do. We submit our hearts back to You and we declare that it was always best when we were close with You. And so, Lord, we surrender everything right now. We come to You open-handed and we receive all that You have in store for us this season we desperately want to be that fearless church that our scared community needs right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. I pray that you're blessed. Take care.